welcome back to the Biblical Woman podcast. I was really trying hard to not say the Simply Devoted <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, so we recently decided to change the name of our podcast because we, you guys know what we're about, uh, but for new people who are looking for a podcast, we thought that changing the name to reflect more what we're about would be better and help more people find some good resources. And our goal with this podcast is to address topics and issues from a gospel-centered perspective. And we thought that would be best reflected with a uh, Christian name, not that Simply Devoted isn't, but it's just... Uh, very plain, you know? Yeah, and this is more explicitly Christian. <laughs> exactly, and that's what we wanted. Uh, we didn't want any questions as to what the podcast was about. Like, what are we devoted to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cookies. We're devoted Here's to chocolate cookies. chip cookies. Okay, that's pretty good, too. <laughs> All right. Well, so we took a little break from the podcast. Uh, you know, we went through a name change, but... I also moved, so we had to pack up the whole studio uh, because while we were recording in my basement, there's actually like a video. We actually have a video studio too, mm -hmm. so it was a lot of work, um, and we've been moving into our new house. It sat empty for two to three years. When we first moved in, our neighbor was like, I'm so glad to see people living here. You know, it was empty for three and I'm like, are, you know, three months, three weeks, three years. Come to find out, it was close to three years that our house sat empty. So as you can imagine, a lot of things uh, were neglected. Deep cleaning needed to be done. <laughs> <laughs> we had to, like, cut down the jungle that, you know, surrounded our house. We had ivy and weeds growing in through windows and doors um, I, we found a side porch to our house <laughs> after a day of landscaping. We found a, a side porch. Did I tell you the story about the bees? Oh, dear Lord. No. <laughs> okay. 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 So one of the things that we had to fix was our washer and dryer for our clothes. Okay. Um, so we got all the pieces and we got it all fixed because we went from gas to electric. Mm-hmm. So we got it all taken care of. And before we did our first load of laundry, Dustin's like, well, why don't you let me change the dryer hose? Because I just, I think it might be a fire hazard. Okay. Okay. So I'm upstairs and I'm cooking and Dustin's like, Kat, you have to come see this. So I run downstairs and here he is looking into the dryer hose and he's like, you need to see this. So I look into the dryer hose and I don't know if the hose has been changed in the past 50 years. Oh gosh. Like we all know how big a dryer hose is. And then just the tiniest amount of airflow was possible. Ooh, big fire hazard. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, you know, with all the lint that had gathered in there, parts of it were singed and black. Like there were, there was a fire that had started at certain points. Oh goodness. Oh, that's not safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it hadn't been in the past three years since nobody was here, yeah. but it was there. So I'm looking down this, this hose and just all the lint. And I see this like fuzzy yellow thing in there. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I see a second fuzzy yellow thing. And it oh. didn't dawn on me that like, 
they don't just flint doesn't appear <laughs> suddenly like that so i was like what in the world is that and then they flew out my face <laughs> there were bees there were bumblebees living in our dryer <laughs> so i dropped the hose and i ran upstairs and screaming and I, I abandoned my husband because you know i'm such a brave wife <laughs> i abandoned him down there to handle that he can fend for himself exactly <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yeah, so there were bees living in our dryer house. Oh, goodness. But that's the adventures that I've been on <laughs> lately. Uh, so, but that's some of the reasons why, you know, we took a break from the podcast and we're ready to get it started back up and to have some fun and to learn more about the Bible and our Lord. We are going to be talking about six lessons you can learn from the book of Obadiah. Uh, now, the book of Obadiah is one of the shortest books of the Bible. Um, it is the shortest Old Testament book. And you might be wondering, like, why why did you guys pick this one? <laughs> um, and I, I picked it. And I originally had selected it because um, I struggle with studying the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of Christians do. And, you know, you'll look at my Bible and you'll see the New Testament is very colorful. It's very full. And then you flip over to the New Testament or the Old Testament. And you're like, Kat, this is really blank <laughs> and bare. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but so I wanted to challenge myself to really dive into an Old Testament book. Uh, and I thought I would start easy in quotation marks with a short <laughs> book. Um but as you can see, there even from a book that only has twenty-one chapters verses. Yeah, yeah, twenty, yeah, twenty-one, <laughs> 21 chapters, twenty-one verses. Um, that would not make it a short book if it was twenty-one chapters. Um, even though it only has twenty-one verses, you know, we were able to pull six amazing lessons uh, out of it for the modern Christian woman, and so. This is the results of my Bible study, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And just a quick side note about Obadiah. You know, it is only one of three of the prophetic books to pronounce judgment upon another nation. Um, Nahum and Habakkuk are the other two. Um so just a fun fact, not that you'll ever need that, but <laughs> it's a fun fact in case you have like Bible Jeopardy or something. So one point that uh, Kat has brought up is whenever we're trying to study a new book in the Bible, you need to understand the context of mm -hmm. the book. Um, if we can read something and be like, oh, I think this is what that means. And then you look at the context, con sorry, context. And you're like, oh, no, that was not what that meant. <laughs> well, it's like, could you imagine trying to explain a Western movie to Paul? No. Like, like <laughs> it, it would just be so hard for them to just pick up a Western movie and understand what's going on. Right. And the same is true for us. Like we, it's very hard for us to just be able to pick up a book of the Bible and know exactly what's going on. I would wager to you know, that most of us probably don't know 100% of everything that's going on within that book historically or culturally. Um, and, you know, when we have that 
context, contextual knowledge, you know, it increases what we're going to walk away from the book with. Mm -hmm. And I always like to say, you know, instead of context is king, context is queen, because, you know, <laughs> this is the Biblical Women podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Whitley's right. Always start with the context of the book. You know, why did the author write this? What issues were they facing? Um, what issues did they address and why? And who are they addressing? Yes, yes. Um, and I think Obadiah is a perfect example of that because most of the prophetic books, as I said before, were written for God's people, mm -hmm. whereas Obadiah and Nahum, you know, they were written for other nations. Yeah. Of, you know, warning of God's judgment coming upon them. Um, <clears throat> so, and we're just going to give you a real quick uh, background of Obadiah. So, you know, due to the lack of historical clues within the books, you know, we can't give this book an exact date. Um, you know, there aren't any kings mentioned by name, uh, which makes it hard for us to date when this could have been written. Mm -hmm. What we do know is this book was written for the nation of Edom. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. And if you remember that name, it was the story of Esau and Jacob and uh, stealing the birthright. Mm -hmm. And Edom actually means red because I guess that's the color of the stew that Esau traded his birthright for um, with Jacob. And they lived in, south of the Dead Sea and they were enemies of the Jews, and they had this long, long, bitter history with each other. You know, from Moses, uh, when the Israelites were trying to pass through to go to the promised land, the Edomites, you know, did not let them pass. They refused. Even the kings of Israel fought wars with them. Uh, Saul, David, and Josephat. I hope I said that name right. <laughs> That's how uh, I would say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the kings of Israel fought wars against this nation. Um, so there was just this long, long, bitter history. And looking forward, after this book had been written, in the 5th century, the Edomites were conquered by another group and forced to leave their home. And so they fled to the southern part of Palestine. And they became known as the Edomians. Edomians? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Old Testament words are hard. They are. Edomians. <laughs> but, and if you're wondering why that word sounds familiar, um, it is because of Herod the Great. He was one. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and King Herod um, decided he was going to slaughter all of the male children and Jesus fled, you know, that was, he was an Edomite. Mm -hmm. um, so once again, even after this book was written, here is another example of the, the bitterness between their two people. All right, so we're going to jump right in and go ahead and read this book. Uh, we will be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and we're just going to be reading verses 1 through 15 uh, for time purposes, but we really do encourage you to 
uh, read the rest of it on your own because it is a really good book. All right, here we go. The Vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up and let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of rocks, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how would you have been destroyed? Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. And those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. I will not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and the understanding out of Mount Esau. And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloft, aloof, sorry, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother and the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah and the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. Um, so that is verses 1 through 15. And uh, like we said, go ahead and finish reading the book on your own. There's 21 verses total. Uh, so just read those on your own. But the six points that we are going to be talking about today come from verses 1 through 15. The warnings against pride, as we see in verses 3 through 4, uh, the pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagles, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. And the pride of Edom was so great that the author of this book used simile and metaphor to just show how great their pride was and how far the Lord was going to drop them um, from that. Yes. Um, and another point I wanted to say was that Obadiah begins his book, uh, by establishing like, Hey, you know, this is the word of God. God has given me this vision. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, this isn't just me saying these words to you. He goes, God is saying, because of your pride, this is what is going to happen. Yes. And because God is the standard of truth, you know, he does just that. In 70 AD, the Edomites pretty much disappeared from history. Um, and when you consider the fact that, you know, they were this city built into the clefts of rock in this very lofty place, and then to just suddenly disappear from history and virtually be forgotten, that's a pretty hard fall from pride. <laughs> that is a very hard fall. So just right off the bat, those first like four verses are a warning that we can take against pride um, to try to live humbly um, in our everyday life. What we see in verses 12 through 14 is that God is present in our suffering. Each like sentence is ended with the words like misfortune, distress, disaster, calamity, ruin. Um, I feel like we see calamity a lot in that. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, I was reading it. I was like, calamity, calamity, calamity. Okay. <laughs> um, but if we look at the Saurus, um, we see that these words are essentially synonyms, but they kind of represent a different level or type of suffering that the Israelites had endured. Yeah, like while a misfortunate event is awful, you know, it's not as tragic as a calamity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God is just showing that he is aware of all the types and all the levels of suffering that his children are faced with. He's not, you know, removed from their pain. Right. And so because he isn't removed, we can assume and we like know just like from our personal experiences mm -hmm. that he is like actually present with us during our trials and tribulations. And so he was present with them then. He's present with his people. Absolutely. And my personal like favorite verse um, for God being with us in trials and tribulation is Psalm 23, 4. And it just says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And um, as Whitley said, like when I was going through um, my events with miscarriage and pregnancy loss, that was a verse that was so encouraging for me. Mm -hmm. um, and once again, I think it is just another Old Testament verse that shows that God is absolutely with us every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And point number three is just that God is sovereign. I feel like this point connects with some of the things we just said. Um, but God is sovereign in all of our suffering. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a reason for everything. And I'm sure the Israelites wondered why they went through these things that they did. And they suffered at the hands of this nation of Edom. Um, but God absolutely had a plan and he was sovereign mm -hmm. through all of it. Yes. Especially even whenever we can't see it. It's yes. always good to remember that like we're not alone through this. God is sovereign. And even though we may not see what the point is or why we're dealing with it, there is a purpose. And whether that purpose comes to fruition tomorrow or years down the road, there is a purpose. 
Absolutely. And point number five is that God is going to judge the wicked. And, um, you know, go back to verses 12 through 14, where it says, you know, do not, do not, do not. And at first glance, you know, this looks like a big no-no list for the Edomites, but Mm -hmm. it actually is much deeper because it's showing that God knows the crimes that the wicked have committed against his children. He knows all the pain and the suffering that they have endured at the hands of evil people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wasn't absent in the cruelty that they endured. And like, we know that God's not going to turn a blind eye to everything that's like, or like all the harm that is done to his people by the wicked. Um, judgment day is coming and everybody's going to answer for their deeds. And luckily for like us, we're going to have Jesus standing for us, like interceding for us and we'll be judged by his life and not ours. But for those who are wicked and don't have him interceding, Mm -hmm. like they're going to be judged for their deeds. And, um, this is a dark, no, (laughs) this is a a dark, maybe a dark thought. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but our days of suffering are absolutely numbered. It yes. sucks going through it, but they are numbered. There were, there will come a day when, you know, every tear will be gone. Every pain will be gone. And those days will just no longer exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but the judgment of the wicked is going to be eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some hope in that for us. Yes, and I think uh, another good scripture that kind of goes along with this is Psalm 37. And it's a little lengthy, so I'm not going to read the whole thing for you. But just kind of the gist of it is the psalmist is basically crying out to God, saying, like, why am, like, I suffering? Like, I'm one of the righteous. Like, I'm, like, washing my hands of innocence. And... I'm looking at all the wicked and they're prospering in this world. Like they're not going through the suffering. They are doing so well, but we have the promise that like our suffering ends and we will get to enter into the kingdom of heaven one day and we will spend eternity in peace, glorifying God forever. Whereas the wicked is like, it is this dark yeah like their prosperity ends yeah and they will be the ones suffering for eternity so um that was like one thing that kind of like got me through like my miscarriage thing was while i'm sitting here like i just lost like my baby and then other people who were like not christians or don't like the best of parents yes are getting to have their babies and everything's okay and it was like why why is this fair like I'm trying I've tried my whole life to do everything right and then it may not be fair now life isn't fair but in the end like everything will be made right absolutely and I think that while it is dark in nature but it is super comforting for us yes um our next point comes from verse 15, and that is that God will judge the nations. And Obadiah writes, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return to your own head. 
And, you know, God is the just judge over the whole world. And every person, every nation is going to answer for their actions. And um, no matter what your eschatology might be, you know, judgment day is coming and we will Mm -hmm. all stand for our actions and our deeds. Yes. Um, And for Christians, you know, we have Christ who stands for us Mm -hmm. and his blood does cover us, but it's not for everybody. Right. And I think that point leads into the final point, um, share the gospel. Yes. I mean, this is something that we should take from um, any scripture that we read is that um, like the end is coming and we, I mean, like, while we know like we as people can't change someone else's heart towards God, but no sinner should ever go to hell unprayed for. Like they should never go to hell without us at least attempting yes to share the gospel and tell them the good news uh i completely agree um and you know the race is it's going to be over soon you know it Mm -hmm. might not be over today or tomorrow or you know even a century from now yep but it will come to a close and as the church we have to finish strong right and just be vocal uh, about our faith and the love that our Savior has mm-hmm. for others. Yes. And for some people, that is a scary thought. I mean, like, you yeah. think of, like, our brothers and sisters, like, in China who are persecuted and jailed for sharing the gospel. But that should drive us to do that even more. Yes. Because we're, even though we may get some persecution from, like, our peers... Like, we're not going to face jail time for sharing the gospel. Yes. Yeah. So we should be championing, like, on behalf of our brothers and sisters in China because we have the opportunity to do what they can't. And a lot of them are still doing, like, they're still doing it. They're just so brave and it's inspirational. It is. um, How strong their faith is and how much they love the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. So, all right, those were our six points from the book of Obadiah. Uh, You know, warnings against pride. God is present in our sufferings. He is sovereign. He is going to judge the wicked one day. Mm -hmm. He will judge the nations. And that should motivate and inspire us to share the gospel. Thanks for listening to the Biblical Woman Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's different than what we normally do, Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to challenge myself with reading an Old Testament book. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm like, I got to share this with them. (laughs) So I hope that you enjoyed these six points that we were able to pull from this book and apply them to our lives as biblical women. And, you know, if you guys have topics that you would like to hear us talk about, send them in um, because we are all about learning new ideas and new issues to discuss. 
And we've got some exciting things coming up. Mm -hmm. Do you, yeah. you want to share the good news? Do you want me to share? Uh, sure, I can share. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, we definitely want to hear what you guys want to us to talk about because we want to address like the needs that you guys have. And um, while we hope and pray that this isn't something that you personally deal with, there is a likelihood that at least one of our listeners deals with this or has a family member that deals with it. Um, we're going to have upcoming episodes talking about drug addiction ministry. Yes. So we are looking forward to having a, a special guest. Yes. Um, to talk about um, the counseling side of things. Yes. She is um, an experienced uh, licensed therapist who has written a book. It is geared for women um, who are going through uh, addiction right now. And even if you're not going through it, I would recommend reading it to gain that perspective because there's a lot of points that as I'm reading it, I'm like, man, this is like life changing. Like I understand more now. Mm -hmm. um, and Whitley and I, you know, we live in the town that is known for, you know, being the birthplace of the pill mill for the United States. Yes. We had a whole, like, an episode of intervention about our town. It's called Hillbilly Heroin. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So addiction is very, very strong here. Um, and we get to see all the awful effects that it has on people and families and the church. And, you know, when we talk to other Christians around the world, we know that it's not just, you know, our hometown. It's not just the United States. A lot of other countries and a lot of other churches are affected mm -hmm. by this. So we are super excited to have someone who is experienced in this field to come talk to us um, about addictions ministry. Yes. So, all right. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening in. Stay tuned. We'll see you next time. <laughs>